Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is the Joe Pag Show. To talk to Joe, call 888-941-PAGS. And now, it's Joe Pags. All right, thanks a lot for stopping by. There's a lot going on, lots to get to. Bottom of the hour, the latest on COVID, treatments for COVID-19. What the hell is monkeypox? We'll have all that for you with Dr. Jesse at the bottom of the hour. The return of Dr. Jesse Lopez. Make sure you stick around for that. Uh, of course, there's a dominating news story today, so I'm going to put off the uh, the Taco Tuesday song. I know you guys will be happy about that. Um, but, uh, but I want to get right back into what it is that we know about what's going on out of Uvalde, Texas. Now, earlier today... Again, there were reports of, um, of a mass killing at an elementary school there. And the numbers that we originally had, still devastating. It was like you know, two dead and, and one injured or something. The number has ballooned and, and it gets sadder and more sickening as the day goes on. Carrie, now that you've got an update on this, if you don't mind, go through some of the nuts and bolts. Not just the update, if you don't mind. Sort of set the scene about what happened today because mm-hmm. a lot of people are just joining us right now. Go ahead. Right. This is from KSAT News. The death toll from the shooting at a Texas elementary school has risen to 18 children and three adults. State Senator Roland Gutierrez of San Antonio said he was briefed by state police on the latest fatalities at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde. Uh, that is part of his district, Uvalde is. Three people wounded in the attack are hospitalized in serious condition. Uh, the original story was that a gunman opened fire at that elementary school in Uvalde today, killing 14 students and one teacher. Uh, the gunman has been identified as an 18-year-old who was a student at Uvalde High School. Uh, the governor also saying it appears he acted alone. Uh, the shooting, which happened two days before school was going to be let out for the summer, was the deadliest at a U.S. grade school since the shocking attack at Sandy Hook Elementary in Newtown, Connecticut. Now, the governor saying the shooter shot and killed his grandmother before he went on the shooting rampage around 11.30 a.m. at Robb Elementary School, where second through fourth graders attend. He entered the school with a handgun, possibly a rifle, and opened fire. Now, the shooter was likely killed by responding officers, but the events were still being investigated. I appreciate the update, although it's sick. It's devastating. It's horrible. It's uh, it's sickening. It just is. I'm getting reports that um, University Hospital is asking for blood donations in regard to this. Do you know if that's if that's the case? Uh, I would imagine. I know we've been covering it all afternoon, and there was that, a call from the South taken? Texas Blood and Tissue Center. Yes. Now I know there are at least two of the victims for University Hospital right now: a six, okay. sixty-six-year-old woman and a ten-year-old little girl, and they are both in critical condition. Uh, the last update that I got. Okay, and so they were medevaced out. So I'm assuming they right. had pretty um, traumatic injuries. 
So we will take that to be fact. Um, I know a Facebook page is pushing this. University hospitals needing blood donation for, um, for the victims of the Uvalde Elementary School shooting. So if you can at all help out and you're local to San Antonio or between San Antonio and Uvalde, then uh, certainly do that. Um, it, it's, to hear something like this is tragic. It, it makes you crazy because we should be able to do something. Now, I, I could have this wrong, Carrie. I think that Columbine was 1999. Is that when Columbine was? Maybe you could research that, so. look up, uh, look it check. up quickly for me. Because yep. if that's true, you know, that's 23 years ago. And I'm not really sure I understand what we've done in this country to stop bad people from doing bad things to innocent life. April 20th, Again. 1999. Okay, thank you. Yeah, they did it on 420. I knew it was 420. I just wasn't sure if it was 1999. Um, so thank you. Uh, Ali Bradley, who's an independent journalist, reported earlier that this guy was wanted in connection with the death of his grandmother. And there was a be on the lookout for him, a bolo is the police term. And they identified his truck and then started following him. There was a pursuit. And they say the pursuit stopped at the school where he went in and did this dastardly deed. Now, I don't know if that was the plan. I have no idea. But I do know that it was part of a police pursuit. And the question I have to ask and the reason why I bring up Columbine is since Columbine, what have we done? I don't know what we've done. Since Columbine, there was, I, re- I remember there was Pearl, Mississippi. There was Paducah, Kentucky. There was Springfield, Oregon, I can think of off, off the top of my head. Movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. What, it, what is it that we've done? What have we done to fix this? I don't know. And I can't really come up with a good answer. Now, some school districts have been smart. They've actually put out signs saying, our faculty and staff are armed. They've said that. Many other places, it'll say it's a, it's a no-gun no zone or a gun-free zone, which doesn't make any sense. So what have we done? If you don't want armed guards there, which we should have, and somebody actually wrote me earlier saying, you know, uh, you know, those law enforcement officers who have retired, this would be a good job for them. Military members coming back out of the military might be a good job for them. These are people trained in firearms trained in stopping a bad guy from doing a bad thing. So maybe we look at that. But let's say you're not for that. What have we done to the buildings to ensure the safety of our kids? What have we done to the buildings to ensure the safety of our malls? What have we done to the buildings to ensure the safety of the of the movie theater? Remember, the bad guy at the movie theater decided he would find the one theater in, in that area of Colorado that did not allow you to carry your concealed weapon. Knew that he wouldn't get any, any response. Yeah, Santa Fe, Texas is being mentioned. There have been so many of these. Sandy Hook, of course. So many of these. What is it that we've done? I mean, Sandy Hook was what, 2012? 10 years ago now? And we haven't done anything? And don't give me this crap about, well, you got to ban assault weapons. The first report was this guy went in with a pistol. Do Do you ban pistols too? Well, it's because of the extended magazines. No, it's not. It's because evil is doing evil. So what do you do? What solutions have we come up with? Again, I graduated in 1984. I remember at Atlantic High School in Delray Beach, Florida, the cop on his golf cart with a gun, and none of us was afraid of him. And if you're a bad kid and you wanted to go shoot the place up, you knew that there was at least one guy who was going to shoot you. So guess what? Nobody tried. Why can't we have a police officer on every floor? Why, why can't we have a system where police, local police, if they're not in the same building, have a direct closed circuit you know, shot through cameras where they can immediately respond if something goes awry? 
how is somebody there and can shoot at least 18 who are dead? Actually, what is it, 21 dead because you got three adults as well? I mean, how does that happen without somebody resisting, without somebody shooting him in the face? How does that happen? And if it turns out this guy should have been known because he's showing off his guns online and he's talking about what he wants to do with them, and we did nothing, what, what kind of society? We're not a more peaceful, safer society because we're being easier on criminals. We're not. So can somebody tell me what proactive actions we've taken as a country? Individual school districts have done a good job. Other individual school districts have done a horrible job. What have we done as a country to say no more? What have we done as a country to say this is the last one? Buffalo just happened. Innocent people buying some barbecue supplies for the, for the weekend. Just dead. It happened now. Not far from where I sit. What are we going to do? We got some guy, some Democrat from Connecticut or something on the Senate floor. Why did you come to the Senate if you're not going to fix this? All right, what are you suggesting? Because if it's getting rid of the Second Amendment, you're a hypocrite as people are outside protecting you with guns. Come up with real solutions. How about this? Instead of sending $40 billion to Zelensky in Ukraine so he can give over Mariupol to, uh, to Putin, maybe we keep the $40 billion and we send some money out to some schools. Maybe we take the 50-some-odd billion every year from the Department of Education and focus on safety and security in schools. Maybe we stop acting stupidly and playing politics and just protect the young people and the innocent. It sounds outrageous. I get it. This is crazy that we'd, I would ever say, let's protect people. Because changing a law isn't going to change anything. Guess what? It's against the law to go in and shoot kids at an elementary school. It's against the law to go in and shoot people at a movie theater. It's against the law to go to a, a grocery store and kill people. Those things are against the law. So what makes you think these people that do these things We'll stop breaking the law because you said, oh, we don't need extended magazines or that AR-15 looks mean. If you took all the guns away from the good guys, guess who only has them now? And then we haven't solved anything. What specifically? Listen, maybe I'm missing the boat here. Maybe I was too busy picking my nose. What exactly is it that has happened since Columbine? Let's just go back to 1999. Now, keep in mind, the deadliest school massacre happened in the 20s in Bath, Michigan. The guy used explosives and fire. He didn't use a gun. We don't talk about that one. Because it was a bad guy who wanted to do a bad thing, and he did. He did a bad thing to innocent people. So this isn't really about guns. But what is it that we've done? Let's not even go back to the 1920s. Let's go back to 1999. What in the last 23 years have we done to stop this from happening? What is it? I can't think of anything. And again, individual districts have done individual moves to make individual schools safer. And I applaud them. Why wasn't this something done from that freaking department that is pushing all sorts of weird agendas and curriculums in our schools, yet isn't doing anything for safety? Or, or the teachers' unions, where the hell are you people? Where, where are you as you collect money and union dues? Are you going to use any of that for safety and security? Or you want to push a, a strange agenda and curriculum in the school? At some point, something's got to be done, right? Why do we keep electing people? Why do we keep on uh, sending our kids to a public school that we can't feel safe about? Why? 888-941-PAGS. 
I want to know if I've missed something. What is it that we've changed that have that has made children safer in school? Theater goers safer in the movie theater. Shoppers safer at the grocery store. Church goers safer in the churches. 888-941-7247. If you want to be on the air, just go to JoePags.com, scroll down to the bottom, click on contact, and I'll, I'll take your email. Keep it here. This is the Joe Pags Show. Great to have you. Thanks. I do appreciate you. So frustrating to, to see things like this happen. So sad. It just, it, it makes your stomach hurt. But then you go back and use your brain and say, well, what have we done to stop this? What have we done to protect people who are safe? Generally speaking, we think they're safe. They're certainly innocent. We assume safety and then they don't come home. What have we done for those families today? Not a whole lot. And again, the bad guy who did it is the guy who did it. He's the responsible party. But we know people like that exist. Why not step up our our activity in our communities? Why not step up the activity from the billions and billions of dollars sent to the Department of Education every year and do something to protect our kids? Maybe tell Zelensky, hey, listen, man, you're doing a pretty good job holding off Russia. We need that $40 billion to protect our kids. Maybe we do that. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Before I take calls, I want to tell you again that Congress can can do anything they want when it comes to finances. Reprint a bunch of money. Nah, let's just go over the budget. We'll just do a, a, a deficit spend. We've got the debt that's growing. Who cares? You can't do that in your household. If you're dealing with credit cards, with your loans, with a timeshare maybe, you just feel like you're underwater, come up and breathe and realize that you got some help on the way. Total Financial Freedom. If you owe more than $10,000, the team at Total Financial Freedom has been doing a great job for 15 years, helping people like you resolve their debts and cut payments in half. If you don't believe me, just give them a call, 800-833-9444. Mention my name and get a free book. You learn how easy it is to cut your payments. The book is called Debt Dietitian. You've got to mention my name, though, and you give them a call. You're going to appreciate the team. They think like you do. They've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau as well. Get this free book, Zero Complaints, by the way. Total Financial, give them a call at 800-833-9444. Ask for the free book, Debt Dietitian. 800-833-9444, make that happen right now. I mentioned when I said, if something's happened since um, 1999 that I don't know of to keep our kids safe in school or to keep our community safe from from madmen, fill me in because I don't know. Michelle, Mississippi, talk to me. Hey, Joe, thanks for all you do. Appreciate you. Um, I've worked in a courtroom in the criminal justice system for 22 years. And what, I, what I've what i seen happen over the last 20 years, obviously people who commit these types of heinous crimes are mentally ill. People don't seem to make the connection between the mental health system and the criminal justice system. And what, it, what I've personally seen happen is you have all these activist organizations who say that you're violating someone's civil rights if you deprive them of their liberty or force them to take medications for their mental condition. So, but that's not true. I mean, who, you're, you're people, violating the civil rights of the community by not keeping them safe from this person. Who decided that crap? Was that during Reagan? 
that's that's been an ongoing thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, your your alphabet organizations uh, that are activist organizations go to um, courtrooms, go to agency law enforcement agencies, and sue them for um, imprisoning someone. They say it's it's depriving them of their liberty is violating their civil rights. So someone who would probably thrive in a more controlled environment being taken care of and having someone make sure they're taking their medicine, that person, I see them end up on the streets because this activist organization says, oh, well, you can't do that. And even if they're in jail, the they can they have the right to refuse their medication, their psych meds. So with them at least they're at least they're in jail meds, well, i'm fine with them being in jail if they want to refuse because they're still no, in jail any, anytime yeah but, but what i'm but, saying is if we have them at least incarcerated then they they could take their meds or not i don't really care they can't go to the local elementary school you know what i mean so at the end of the day right. this is a stupid move go ahead but here's the here's the thing if these people were being if they were in a controlled environment and and they were made to take their meds they wouldn't exhibit the behavior that they exhibit that lands them in the criminal justice system but then you have the the victims of the crime calling and saying, "Well, where are my rights? You know why?" And I, I, you know, you have somebody saying, "Well, what's the difference between this mentally ill person who who committed aggravated assault and someone with, say, Alzheimer's? Because that person, that patient with Alzheimer's, is going to be given their meds whether they want them or not. But this person over here who committed aggravated assault just because he's mentally ill, he can refuse to take his meds yeah. and continue being on the streets committing crimes. We have to get to a place in this country, Michelle, and thank you for the phone call. I appreciate you. We have to get to a place in this country where we realize once again what we used to know, that your rights end where mine start. You don't have the right to be off your meds and act the fool in society committing crimes and taking away people's freedoms and liberties because some, as you said, alphabet group, I'm guessing the ACLU and others, um, has decided that somehow you have the right to not be medicated, the right to not be institutionalized when you're a menace to yourself in society. We have to revisit that. I've got a, a real problem with that, to be honest with you. Father Gabriel in Ohio, what's going on? Talk to me. Joe, the uh, fundamental reason things aren't getting better is just because our country keeps turning further and further from God, and everybody has a free will that cannot be controlled with with laws, you know, you can't force the free will. People need to control it themselves. And, and unfortunately, long ago, our country decided that God had to be removed from the schools. And uh, that's the most important part of the training of education of children is their spiritual formation, forming the will, their moral training. You know, you can cram a bunch of intellectual information in, but and so, unfortunately, today, the, those that are most pushing for gun control laws and all sorts of more and more laws as if that was a solution, very often they are the same people who get vehemently upset about God having any place in government or in the schools. Father, I hear you and I appreciate what you're saying. I would like to snap my fingers and make everybody go back to God. I'd like to snap my fingers and everybody, you know, uh, reinsert God or, or a, a supreme being into our educational system. It should never have been pushed out. We know that the Constitution was written by deists or Christians. We know that. We know that we're a Judeo-Christian society. But people too often have rolled over, like what Michelle was saying. They've rolled over. They've given into these alphabet groups that go and sue everybody for as much money as they can, making people capitulate. 
It's time for us to get back to that, obviously, until such a time happens that we all suddenly start praying again and start re, you know, reinserting God in school. We certainly need a place to put people who are psychologically nuts and ill and, and violent with tendencies and, and might do something horrible like we saw today. And I'm not seeing that an awful lot. I'm not seeing that push. No, the push is, let's get political. The push is, vote for this guy or that gal. The push is, Second Amendment, this and that. And we're not solving anything. In 23 years since Columbine, we literally did nothing to make our schools safer. On a, a, in a general sense, as a whole, our educational system that we're all forced to pay for out of our taxes. Nothing has improved. And that's crazy. 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. You can't get through, uh, by all means... Send me an email, JoePags.com. Scroll down to the bottom, click on connect or contact, and you'll get to me. Dr. Jesse, when we come back. This is the Joe Pags Show. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Always great to have this guy back. His website is inspiration.health. He is a physician. He's a surgeon. It's Dr. Jesse Lopez. Jesse, how are you? Good to see you. Doing great. How about you, Joe? I'm doing very well. You know, you fill my inbox every day with vital information on COVID, on monkeypox now. We've got all this stuff going on. I want to start back with, with COVID and the treatments that are out there. More and more, we're hearing about a possibility of a Pfizer pill that will help to to alleviate the symptoms and, and keep people safe. But at the same time, we're seeing this Pfizer CEO out there saying, hey, we've got to get EUA for a third booster for children five years old to 11. Um, and the FDA seems to keep on get, getting in line by saying, sure, you can have emergency uses authorization on this too. And Jesse, I don't think we've ever seen any doses of community, which is allegedly FDA approved. What's the latest status on the treatments for COVID-19 today? Well, basically, it really hasn't changed from what it was before, except even now that we are no longer in a crisis situation, the FDA keeps trying to push this as though it is a crisis situation so that they can continue to push booster after booster after booster, as well as medications like Paxlovid underneath the EUA. If there's no EUA, these cannot be on the market. If there's not an emergency situation, these cannot be on the market. Now, there is not an emergency situation hospitalizations are not up, they're not increasing in our area, and even if the number of infections are increasing, that's not necessarily a bad thing, even though they try to tell you that on the news. What that means is that people may be getting a form of the coronavirus, but they're recovering and they're developing natural antibodies to it. That's what we've been wanting all along. So they're just continuing this emergency state for control and for profit. Well, I've got to ask you this. Jesse, we've talked about this many times before. And again, his website is inspiration.health. He does telemedicine too. Go check him out. Um, the FDA should be independent completely of any pharmaceutical company. That's that's just a, a, a no-nonsense, something that should be known. Um, yet it seems, though, they're taking their cues from Pfizer or Moderna. Why is that? Well, number one, they receive huge amounts of money from the pharmaceutical company to be able to do different studies and for their function. And additionally, when you have individuals that are in different administrations like Scott Gottlieb, who goes from being part of the FDA to all of a sudden being on the board of directors at Pfizer, that creates a conflict of interest. 
And this is the problem with the FDA. It has other individuals that have been part of the pharmaceutical industry. And, you know, talk about the swamp being drained. Well, the swamp has filled back up again. And these kind of agencies need to be drained where they create rules where there cannot be any conflict of interest. If you have been part of a pharmaceutical company or worked for the pharmaceutical company, you cannot be part of the FDA. We need those kind of regulations in place to protect the public from conflict of interest. And, and uh, Jesse, uh, why do you think we're allowing for the pharmaceutical companies to uh, to pay for these this experimentation for all this research? You know, the taxpayers are on the dime to pay, to send forty billion dollars to Ukraine and and send our money all around the globe. Why can't we fund and, and finance the research so that we know that it's independent from any pharmaceutical company? Because one day, you know, you got the the the, the CEO from Pfizer saying we need to have. 10 boosters, the next day, FDA is suddenly giving more EUAs. And then the next day, you've got Fauci out there pushing the same exact uh, party line. Don't we need complete independence here, complete autonomy? We need total autonomy and independence. And I will tell you that if this whole monkeypox situation takes off, that we unequivocally need investigation into these agencies that have perpetuated these types of scenarios and issues. Because it's very suspect when there's scenarios being run back in March 31st of 2021 regarding the monkey uh, pox, and now we're talking about it here in 2022. It's pretty interesting that these scenarios are run just like COVID and the world response, et cetera, and then all of a sudden we have COVID, and the same thing was done with the monkeypox virus, and now they're trying to blow this up in the media. So. There's just something amiss here, and I think our legislators need to be uh, very demanding of what these agencies are doing, and there needs to be full disclosure. The FDA, the CDC, the pharmaceutical companies, even the departments of defense that work with viruses um, and bacteria in terms of even warfare, there needs to be full disclosure of what's going on here because something is amiss. And, and by the way, we still have never gotten official word that, yes, it came from that Wuhan lab. I think we know that it did. I think that we can all assume that it did. It definitely wasn't a wet market and a bat bit a chicken who bit a person. None of that happened. It had to have come from that from that lab, yet we're still not even getting the NIH to admit that. Fauci isn't saying it didn't happen anymore, and he said that for a long time, but they're still not even admitting where it came from. It's Dr. Jesse Lopez, Inspiration.Health. So... My kid comes down with a cough, I come down with a cough, lose my, my sense of taste or smell. Uh, uh, what is the proper treatment on this date in 2022, and how is it different than what we would have done two years ago? Well, it depends on who you talk to. If you talk to the traditional corporate physician, they're going to suggest the same thing once you get really ill, and that is go to the hospital, you get dexamethasone, you get remdesivir, and then you cross your fingers and you hope you make it. If you talk to a physician like myself and many others, you can utilize things such as ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, which there are strong studies that show that they work. Even the studies like the ITEC trial and the TOGETHER trial that they try to utilize as a way to negate ivermectin actually yeah. shows there's benefit in those trials. Those kind of things with high-dose steroids, appropriate intervention with supplements like zinc and vitamin C, and the list goes on and on, which many you can find on our website, are what we do when somebody comes into our office. And we have seen patients do very well, not just me, but many, many doctors, Dr. Littell, Dr. Corey, all these different people who've seen thousands and thousands of patients. So the treatment really hasn't changed except one thing. There's a big push in the industry for Paxlovid and other antivirals for this particular virus. However, there's significant issues that aren't being reported by the press. 
Jesse, what's interesting here, I, I want to go back to what you said at first. If you go into the hospital, you, you pray and hope that you make it. Uh, uh, otherwise, you can use these therapeutics that will, well, and listen, we've gotten ivermectin in my house because somebody has had COVID in the house and it certainly has helped out and nobody else got it and so on. Um, but I've heard other doctors say, and I wonder if you agree, do your best to not go to the hospital. Get, get treatment, get a good doctor, get somebody who understands how to take this virus on. Because if you get into the hospital and, God forbid, you get on a ventilator, then you're in real trouble. I agree. Unfortunately, people wait till it's too late and their oxygen saturations are dropping down. And then their only option is to be admitted to the hospital. But we have seen patients in the past with dropping oxygen saturations. And we've gotten them on these therapies, including low amounts of oxygen, including IV solumedrol, and they've responded well. Um, now, things like the uh, things like the steroids, we don't add in until day three or four, right. usually at the latest, uh, earliest, excuse me, because we don't want to suppress the natural immune system. And believe it or not, that's the problem that they think that they may be seeing with Paxlovid, that it suppresses the immune system so much so that when the person stops the Paxlovid, that they get a rebound in their symptoms and of the viral load. And this was even shown in the data that they presented to the FDA, but they still approved the medication anyway. And it says very clearly in their own documentation that this rebound phenomena can occur. And the other thing is that it showed that it did not prevent other individuals in the household from getting the virus. Right. So here we have Paxlovid. Somebody takes it in the household. They can still spread the virus to people in their household, and they can also spread it if they've been vaccinated. It's Dr. Jesse Lopez. Go to inspiration.health, inspiration.health. Um, so as we're looking at COVID-19, would you say that for the most part, the worst part of the pandemic is over? And do you think that there's some correlation between that and now we're hearing so much about monkeypox, something I'd never heard of before in my life? I believe that the worst part of the pandemic is over. It should be at endemic at most, and we probably are moving out of that. But Unfortunately, numbers are manipulated in a way to keep us in that place of panic and, quote, emergency, because, again, if that emergency disappears, then these medications that have been EUA have to disappear. And, yes, I believe that that is why we're starting to see an upswing in something else to scare people and to control people, because it's just it's absurd. We've had two cases in the United States, and um, they're ready to start putting masks on people again in New York. And mail-in balloting, because there's a midterm coming up. It's Dr. Jesse Lopez. So so in conclusion on, on COVID-19, um, I just want to make sure that we're clear on this, because, again, you've dealt with COVID-19 patients. You've read all the research and all the studies. You have said in a, ver- a very rare occasion, if somebody is high risk and has a ton of comorbidities, you would still consider uh, giving the advice of getting the shot. Otherwise, if you're a healthy individual, you're not in a risk category, and certainly young children between the ages of birth and 11 – you would never consider uh, giving somebody the vaccination. You, you, that is a correct statement because there are way more significant risk now that we have seen and complications that we have seen. And I, I am seeing in my practice than were present when you and I discussed before. When you and I discussed this before, I had no hesitation. Now I have significant hesitation right. because we're seeing data, actuarial data from the insurance industry where those that have gotten the vaccine are getting sicker, increased cancer rates or spread of their cancer, increased problems with their nervous system, increased heart attacks. And this is data coming from the financial industry. This isn't something that Dr. Jesse Lopez is making up. So again, that should be a big warning uh, symbol to us 
that something is amiss. Yeah, we got young, healthy people, some athletes that are just dropping dead. And then when the autopsy is done, you've got massive blood clotting going on in, in, in hearts, in brains. And it's very, very odd that we're not allowed to talk about it. Like this interview will not be on YouTube. This interview will not be on Facebook because they will ban everybody. Um, right. And it's so wild to me. Uh, is, it, is it your thought? Away from being just just being a doctor, just as an American who researches everything, is it your thought that the pharmaceutical companies are also somehow in cahoots with tech, with big tech, to, to squelch this information? Jesse, if we went through it, we would find hundreds and hundreds of very healthy, athletic young people who are dying suddenly a couple of days after getting a shot. Absolutely. The last uh, study that I reviewed and that I've discussed before, which was the TOGETHER trial, um, basically was sponsored by several groups that are affiliated with industries like the Pfizer company. One was a company that basically helps pharmaceutical companies be able to get their particular medication into a study and right. get it before the FDA, et cetera. They were the ones that sponsored this trial that said, basically, ivermectin doesn't work. So again, it comes back to that conflict of interest that we see time and time again. And all you have to do is follow the dollar sign. I mean, if you look at the Paxlovid situation, for instance, where they're obviously stating that there is problems with rebound with this particular medication, which they never tell us doctors. They right. never tell us that, right? They stand to make $22 billion from Paxlovid this year. Wow. Bringing their total revenues to $102 billion for one year. It's amazing. And, and, and the information is all available. This is all, you could fact check it all you want. What he's saying is true. It's Dr. Jesse Lopez, inspiration.health. Uh, Jesse, I don't know anything about anything. You tell me that all the time, on the air and off the air. Um, okay, so I go and I know zip about monkeypox. What is it? What are the symptoms? Should I be afraid? Number one, you should not be afraid. Get that monkey off your back right now. Okay because it is a zoonotic disease process that typically is seen in Central Africa. And usually it's uh, primarily spread among the rodents, so rats and things like that. It was uh, first basically discovered in the late 1950s among two colonies of research monkeys who became ill. I think the first human case was in 1970. It is a cousin to or in the same family as the smallpox virus. So this is not so new. I mean, they're acting like this is something new. This is not new at all. As a matter of fact, there are medications already that are available that can be utilized for monkeypox per se. The issue of concern, and I am in contact with many, many physicians that you've had on this program before and others that are experts in the area, is that we potentially have a significant amount of individuals, millions of Americans, who may have a compromised immune system as a result of this underlying spike protein from the vaccine that could be constantly in their systems right. that could make individuals more susceptible to something, wow. whether it's this or some other disease process. And, you know, someone might say, oh, that's far-fetched, Dr. Lopez. What are you talking about? Well, just in February of 2022, Lund University out of Sweden showed how the spike protein from the messenger RNA could, through reverse transcriptase, encode itself into the human liver cell in a in vitro study within the DNA. So therein lies the potentiality that the human body with the different DNA throughout all the different organs could constantly shed a spike protein, just causing a constant inflammatory storm to the body. And I think that that is some of the problems that we may be seeing, such as in my clinic, when individuals are coming in with problems from having received the vaccine, and in some cases, 
long haul COVID syndrome when they've just had the virus. Well, I think I think you and I would agree that the monkeypox scare is just that. It's to scare people and put them in fear. So people are going to start thinking they have it when they don't have it. What are the chances right now that somebody can get it? And what are the symptoms that we should uh, that maybe should raise concern? If any, pretty much pretty, pretty much zero percent chances that anybody's going to get it. Um, it, it can have a respiratory phase to it, but usually the hallmark manifestation is skin lesions. They look very similar to what a person might get with smallpox. It might start out as a rash, et cetera. But it really takes um, extreme close contact with the person, extreme face-to-face time, so to speak. The droplets from the um, pox virus is very heavy. So it really has a hard time even traveling a couple of feet. Um, so it, it takes a, a lot of exposure uh, for that transmission to occur. You know, it's interesting, and I ask you a question is, um, did you hear about any kind of monkeypox virus in the United States in 2003, Joe? No. No. None. Well, there were 70 cases in the United States in 2003, and you didn't hear peep from anybody. And about we've it. had two cases now, and now they're bringing it up. And now they're bringing it up, and MSNBC runs something almost every day that would scare the bejesus out of my grandmother about this pox virus. So it's just all a big scam right yeah. now. Just a big scam. So I want people not to be worried. Go ahead and live your lives. Be free. Don't fall into the mask quandary again. Well, I was going to ask you that because we, we, we have to go. I've got, I've, got 20, I've got 20 seconds, Jesse. Is there any reason you can think of for a, a, a healthy American to walk around in their everyday life wearing a mask? Healthy American, no. Not at all. Absolutely not. And and yet we still have, I, I was at, at the gym today and ESPN happened to be on, I don't watch the network anymore, but happened to be on, there's Steve Kerr in a, in a news conference way far away from the media and he's wearing a mask as, as he's asking questions behind the microphone. I mean, that just, that doesn't make, I mean, listen, he's a free American, he can do whatever he wants, sure. but that's not medically or scientifically necessary. It, it, it's not, it's just a false piousness in my opinion. And it, all it is is a show, it's just a stage, it's a drama, yeah. and it's not needed. And we have so many Americans right now that have good antibody responses from having had natural immunity. We haven't even gotten into right. the latest data on the uh, poor antibody response. Well, that's for next time. That's for so next for time. for next time, yeah. we're going to get into that. Jesse, <laughs> we appreciate you. Dr. Jesse Lopez, go to inspiration.health. That's his website. We always appreciate the knowledge and come back soon, my friend. My pleasure. Great to see you. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pegg Show. I appreciate you hanging out. Thanks a lot for being here. Frankly, run out of time. Tomorrow, I'm going to have Tony Gonzalez. He's the U.S. representative from that district where Uvalde, Texas is. We'll get the latest from him. Plus, we'll have Andrew Pollock on, who, of course, his daughter Meadow was murdered at Parkland High School in South Florida a few years ago now. We're going to talk to him about what we're seeing as well. This problem has to be solved. The Department of Education gets $68 billion a year from you and me, the taxpayer. What exactly have they done since 1999 in Columbine to make our kids safe every day? Got to go. That's uh, that's Carrie, that's Polo, that's Sam. I'm Joe. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good night. Bye. This is the Joe Pegg Show.